Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Children of the night, what music they make. It's episode number 37 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the world's scariest Eric Roberts-related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me, as per usual, is my spooky co-host, Liam O'Donnell. How you doing, Liam? I'm pretty good. I'm uh, haunted by your love, but otherwise, I'm okay. Liam, it's getting very close to All Hallows' Eve. Is that, what is that? Is that a religious thing? I wouldn't know about that. Well, I know that you you uh, you dislike religion of all kinds, Liam. But no, I'm talking about I'm talking about Halloween. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited. Are you? Do you have special Canadian traditions for Halloween, like uh, throwing donuts to beavers or something? No candy in Canada. We do not connect Halloween with candy at all. Is that actually true? Yeah, absolutely. Wow, Instead, this is, this is the first time that like Canada's actually lived up to my lowest expectations. Uh huh. No candy on Halloween, and we don't dress up as like monsters. What do you dress up as? Like, like I would use the word, even though it's not a, a politically correct word. Ho <laughs> ho. Uh, a hobo. Like you dress up like in old clothes and uh, big floppy old hobo hats, and then you put your little bindle uh, uh, over your shoulder, and everyone dresses up like that, and you don't get candy. Instead, you get small amounts of money from the people that you go to see. All of this sounds like you're making it up. Like, I feel like I'm, you're just like, going to fuck with Liam right now, and he's not going to know. This is how things are in Canada, and I think that you should spend a bit more time in Canada so you know about this. I mean, normally, when you suggest I spend more time in Canada, I, I'm like, yes, that sounds like a good thing. But now it sounds like a bad, bad thing. Think about how terrifying it would be to see a bunch of hobos, like a bunch of kids dressed as hobos, all lined up and up and down the street, all like knocking on your door, begging for money. <laughs> no, what? This is awful. Canada sounds like a terrible place. Yeah. Oh, no, it is. But then again, I, you know what's going on in your country, uh, Liam? Uh, yeah. Craziness and awfulness. No, I understand. I understand. You're right. Okay. I should mention to you, Liam. Yeah. Yeah. I lied about all of that. Of course, Halloween. Oh, is exactly I the same. hate you so much. <laughs> I call, this is what I don't like about that. I called you uh, on your Canadian deception a million mm-hmm. times, and yet you yep. still went with it. This yeah, is why I you did. can't and trust. You can't trust Canadians. Uh, Liam. Liam, shut up. Okay. Today's guest is a writer and video editor and mastermind behind That Jaime's Horror Fest. It's Jaime Burkhart. How you doing, Jaime? Uh, hi, guys. I'm doing great. Uh, uh, thank you, Doug. Thank you, Leah, for having me on the show. First time talking to you guys ever. And it's it's pretty awesome to hear your voice. And after all these years of chatting with you on Twitter, and I'm really excited to be here. I'm not a podcast connoisseur as far as talking, but I'm just I'm still damn excited to be here. I'm glad that you're excited. That's why you're here. We need excitement because it is Halloween, and I need to know from you, Jaime, what is your Halloween traditions? Well, for the last seven years, I've basically been doing uh, kind of what you mentioned before, that Jaime's Horror Fest, where every day of the month, I watch at least one horror movie. Uh, Sometimes they're classics, uh, some stuff I've loved all these years. 
sometimes they're brand new movies that I hear from you know, my friends, Twitter, just like, oh, I got to see this. And I, that's what I've been doing as far as like the actual Halloween tradition itself. Mm-hmm. Uh, just even you know, hang out with uh, uh, friends and family, uh, kind of go trick or treat with some of the younger cats and my, my nephews and stuff like that. But uh, it's mainly just watch a shitload of horror movies and have fun doing it. Now, I have a very important question to ask both of you right now. Okay. I'm going I'm to start with you, Jaime. What's your favorite candy? Oh, Doug, you bastard. All right. Um, I know. I know. Okay. I got to go. I got to go with, uh, with my heart here. Regular plain M&M's. Nice. No, none of the fancy, none of the uh, the uh, pretzel M&M's or the crunchy oh, M&M's God, no. or, or the I, peanut I, butter I, M&M's. I love peanut butter M&M's and I like peanut M&M's. Hate pretzel M&M's, but only because I hate pretzels. And that I know you'll judge me on that later. But mm. I'm no, no, right now. To... <laughs> <laughs> uh, I love regular M&M's. Like I, I see a bowl of it and it's like. I can have a shitty day, but as soon as I see a little, a little bowl of just regular M&M's, fuck it. Everything's right with the world. Well, you, Jaime, are my nemesis because I, of course, love Reese's Pieces because I'm a Canadian. Oh. Those two things are not connected. Oh. And in fact, I, I do like Reese's Pieces, but that is not my favorite candy. Over to you, Liam. Liam, what is your favorite Halloween candy? And please don't say candy corn. <laughs> no, I uh, abhor candy corn. But, of course. Um, it's hard to say because, as you know, I'm a diabetic, so mm. I don't have a lot of candy at sure. Halloween anymore. When I was a kid, it was a tie between uh, Starburst, which I oh, interesting. still I still enjoy, but I don't have as much as I used to. And then um, uh, probably like Snickers, like the little mini Snickers. You know, I don't I don't necessarily rock a full bar, but like a little, uh, you know, mouthful is pretty good. Um, I think. <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah. But I think <laughs> I think I actually lean now a little bit harder towards things like Snickers. Or so basically, um, with chocolate, you don't get as quick of a glycemic response. It's still not sure. good for you, but it doesn't mm-hmm. happen as quickly. So I don't feel bad as quickly. And with chocolate bars, you'll get other things in there, like you know, peanuts or pretzels or nougat. Things that, yeah, things that fool me into thinking I'm eating something better than just candy. So I think I prefer those sorts of things now as opposed to just straight sugar in my mouth. I think I think I think that and and someone can argue with me on this. I think Snickers bars are underrated because I think we've lived with them for so long that everyone just no one says that Snickers is their favorite chocolate bar. But I'll tell you that combination caramel <laughs> peanuts chocolate. Hey, you can't go wrong with it. Who and it's wrote a very this copy for you, you shit. <laughs> What can I'm I, saying. Can I also point out something that you're going to hate as a Canadian? Yes. When I was growing up, everyone around me pronounced it <laughs> Reese's Pieces. Oh, oh those yes. motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I have discovered fairly recently that that's a very common idiotic thing that you Americans do. Don't, Why? Let me... Why did we do that? Everyone knows how you're supposed to pronounce pieces, but we all allowed our assumption that it must be pronounced Reese's. To cause us to say Reese's Pieces. What the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck is correct? I am guilty of that. I must admit, I I was a kid and I was like, Reese's Pieces, please. Well, as a kid, we all have excuses, but we have to grow up. That's what this episode is all about. Growing up past your infantile love for things like horror movies and Eric Roberts. Ah, shit. shit. Just to equal you in stupid pronunciations of things, because uh, for... Listeners who don't know the behind the scenes that's going on right now, I fucked up Jaime's name probably a half dozen times already. Woo! Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but here in 
Ontario, Canada. Uh, I'm sure both of you uh, know what a dog is. <laughs> uh, and specifically, Liam, do you know what a border collie is? Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure? Yeah, or yes, yeah. sir? <laughs> yeah, sure, sir? Is that what we're going? Is that the bit we're doing right now? Yeah, no, I know what a border collie is. And Jaime, you know what a border collie is. I absolutely do, Doug. Okay. Yes. Okay. All right. I, look, I know I'm asking simple questions, but we're going to get more complex. Here in Ontario, and I've never encountered this before, you will run into people all the time who call them border collies. All the time. I walk a border collie. <laughs> I walk a border What? Collie. Like like a, a piece of coal and the letter E. And people will say it all the time. And I don't know what the fuck is wrong with their brains. But I walk a border collie uh, quite often. And I will encounter people. This, that's a lovely border collie you got there. And I just want to. And again, I'm not an angry man. But I do want <laughs> to stab them and leave them dying on the street. <laughs> it sounds like, they're, sounds like you're walking around a rejected version of cola. What the fuck is that? Yeah, that I don't know what's terrible. going on. And maybe it's just this part of Ontario. If you're a listener from Ontario, please let me know if you have idiots. And if you are a person who pronounces it that way, I mean, look, you can stop. You can train yourself. Like, I don't say sorry anymore. I say sorry because my wife is an American and she hit me every single time I said sorry. And eventually I learned not to say it. So what you need to do is carry with you hot sauce. And every time you say coley... <laughs> You put a little bit in your mouth. Now, you are not supposed to train young children by putting hot sauce in their mouth, but doing it for yourself is okay. Jaime, what do you think about Eric Roberts? Oh, see, that's that's the question I'm, I've been looking forward to for, yeah. I think, about a week now. And I'm like, what do I think about Eric Roberts? You know? you know what I think about Eric Roberts? Not only is he the fucking man, but even after all these years, he still rocks the shit out of his hair. Mm -hmm. That man has exquisite fucking hair, and it's goddamn impressive. Um, is, is is it cool to go ahead and talk about like my first encounter with Eric Roberts, like when I was growing up? Well, normally I would wait for me to okay, ask right. you about that. So what I'm going to do now is say, "What was your first experience with Eric Roberts?" <laughs> <laughs> best of the best, 1989. Oh. Oh yeah, I was uh, shit, uh, five. I was five years old, and I I don't even know how I don't remember how I got a copy of the movie uh, on VHS, but I, I remember just watching it with my dad and just watch. You know, we love like action movies, but like watching him be a badass and that. Even as a kid, I'm like, that guy is cool. That guy is awesome. And then one, I, but then what stuck out to me more was uh, I watched it again and again. And then one day, my mom saw Eric Roberts on on TV. And she was like, oh, that's Eric Roberts. And I'm like, oh, you know who he, who he is? And she goes, yeah, that's that's uh, Julia Roberts' brother. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Julia Roberts has a brother? And she said, yeah, but she doesn't really talk to him. I'm like, how do you know they don't talk to each other? That's that's weird. That's a weird thing to say. <laughs> but but um, but yeah, that, that was my first uh, my first uh, uh, basically just that encounter, but like. My introduction to Eric Roberts, and I, you know, through the years, I've, I mainly just saw him in like late night, like HBO or Cinemax movies. I, I mostly mostly call him that way, but I oh, just just see because he's always so awesome on screen. He's always so like like I, you know what? I'm here. I'm gonna make. I'm gonna be do a great job. I don't care what movie I'm in. Fucking great. I love it. And I gotta say, because I was um okay at the time. Uh, it was two, it was two thousand eight. 
I was working as a projectionist uh, at the time, and uh, we were gearing up for The Dark Knight, for the release of The Dark Knight. Uh, we actually made sure all the theaters, all the, the, the speakers behind the screen, all the speakers on the wall, making sure all of that is good to go. So I was really excited for The Dark Knight because I, I helped put everything together and then watch it on the big screen. I had no idea Eric Roberts was in The Dark Knight. No fucking clue. So uh, as soon as the movie starts playing, in the, you know, a sold-out, huge, humongous crowd watching this really intense scene, and they show Eric Roberts, and I believe the first thing was in the kitchen when they're you know with Michael J. White, they're all talking about what, what, to, what to do with it. As soon as he pops up, I was literally the only guy that the theater went, everyone heard it i was like i don't give a fuck it's eric roberts in the dark night ah! so, so i was just like oh that was fun that was actually my favorite eric roberts moment in a big screen like oh fuck yes he's in this movie this movie's like infinitely better because he's in it that is a enthusiastic and also inspiring story of eric roberts love but now Jaime, we have to do a tradition on the show, Eric Roberts the Fucking Man. We need to talk about the Roberts Report. Yes, it's the Roberts Report for episode number 37, and there's oh so much Eric Roberts spooky Halloween news to talk about today. But as per usual, we're going to start with some highlights of his Twitter feed. He starts out on this episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man by being a rather political. On October 20th, Eric Roberts tweeted, The 2016 election is turning Republicans into Democrats and Democrats into Republicans. I'm just saying, stop all the unfriended. And he followed that with, we know better. We are better. And by we, I mean people. Hate is terminal. It kills fast. Inspiring words from Eric Roberts. Going to go over to you for a second, Liam. Who are you voting for in the election? (laughs) (laughs) I love how you always talk about, like, we, you know, we try not to get political on Eric Roberts. And then you always bring up the monster that is Trump. It's like he, what? It, it, you you just can't help yourself. You really can't help yourself. Uh he's just trying to make America great again. <laughs> you know, by injecting a lot by, by really de- de- destroying your democracy and whatnot. <laughs> I think the best way to make it great again is to not acknowledge the uh, legitimacy of any election ever. I mean, hmm. it's so funny because if if he if he wasn't such a uh, you know, racist, homophobe, fucking anti-immigrant, crazy person. He'd sound like a lot of leftist friends of mine who don't acknowledge the legitimacy of any elections either. So it's it's weird. It's weird the bedfellows that you find in politics. Uh, I'll now, be. Now, I'll be I'll, I'm going to stop you just for a second, Liam. Yeah. Because I want to get the opposite perspective from Jaime, who I'm sure is far right wing and really oh, wants yeah. to get his point in. I want to make sure everyone oh, gets their no. viewpoint. In fact, I think legally we need to have like 50-50 on this. So let's hear what is your thoughts? Oh my god, we're getting political. All right. Uh so basically who am I voting for? Is that is that uh that the question? That here? is the inappropriate you question could, I asked. You can tell Doug to fuck himself. Here. Uh-huh. You certainly can. <laughs> I'll, I'll I'll make this easy. I'll make this easy. Doug, fuck yourself uh-huh. and I'm voting for Clinton. Okay. All it's, right. it's, it's basically as simple as, uh, do I want the next four years of the government in our country to be not just even more fucked up, but basically just like the worst version of Rob Zombie's Nightmares and just even more worse version of, I'll give you that, oh, uh, Ube Bowl's Nightmares. Let's go with that. I'm going to go with that because uh, fuck that shit. No, 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 no. no it's, it's, to me, it's just very simple. Go and vote. Go. 
voting for the Warhawk who should be in prison because of those emails. And uh, also, she's uh, she's just bungled things so badly. Yeah. I'm still going with her. <laughs> she's, I mean, come on, people. And uh, she's deplorable <laughs> and also nasty and other she's words. Yo, the the... So often, my man tries to insult Hillary and just makes her sound a little bit better. Like right. the nasty, the nasty yeah. lady thing. I was like, "Come on, Hillary wishes she was a nasty lady." Like, come <laughs> on, let's not, let's come on. I just, you, you know, it, it's it is literally at the point. Like, I, if you had talked to me long before it was clear that that Donald Trump was our are going to be our other option. I was, I was, I'm not a Clinton fan. I don't like the Clintons in general. And I was not convinced that Hillary was really, you know, the candidate I could support, but it is literally at the point where it's like, well, I could go for someone who I'm not sure I trust, or I could go for an actual monster, you know, yeah, like, right? an actual inhuman creature. Uh, I don't, I don't, when people say like they haven't decided, I can't figure it out. That's right. I'm, I'm going to grudgingly vote for this person as opposed to the person who might literally deport me or like murder my friends or imprison them and all that sort of shit. I mean, look, let's not be crazy here. We're all going to vote third party. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, I mean, here's here's the thing. I'm in Pennsylvania, so third party was basically. I mean, the, the, it was very unlikely I was going to vote for third party, regardless. Even <laughs> if thought either of those two that are getting all the attention were really worth my vote, it's like Pennsylvania is a battleground. You know what I mean? I'm 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 legitimately worried that someone's going to try to intimidate me at the polls. Like that's right? like where I live. So like because of your swarthy look. Yeah, no, literally. I mean, that's literally what they said is like any brown folks, we're going to make sure they're doing the right thing. What does that mean? I don't understand. Jesus Christ. Uh, so like I was never going to go third party. But even at even if I was in one of these states where it's like Clinton's definitely going to win. So my vote could go like wherever. New York. <laughs> yeah, sure, 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 sure. The reality is like. I don't, you know, I was never going to support the libertarian dude because that's not my team. Mm-hmm. And the Green party, this is like this is saying a lot for the Green Party. I think this is the weakest candidate that they've run in a long yeah. time. Mm-hmm. And besides the fact that, like, look, Green Party, like, I get they have to run a presidential candidate in order to stay, uh, like, in order to stay where they're at as a party. They're actually required by law to run someone. But this person is, like, not someone that I feel comfortable giving a vote, even as someone who generally likes the Green Party. I just don't like, I don't like her. I don't like her. So that was never going to be a thing. I'm voting Clinton because I'm voting Clinton. It is what it is. And that's this episode of Eric Roberts is the political man. <laughs> speaking of speaking of politics, Eric Roberts also tweeted about Halloween, the most political of holidays, where he said, "Why the letter Y? Why not come in costume? Let's recapture the Halloween parties and rhymes of childhood. What are some of the rhymes of childhood that you remember, Jaime?" Oh my God! Uh, let's mm-hmm. see. I- Rhymes of childhood. Um, Rhymes of childhood. Shit. Uh, beware the stare of Mary Shaw. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> that's not childhood. That's not, that's dead silence. Um, Freddy. I'm gonna go with Freddy's. Uh, uh, one, two. Freddy's coming. That's it. That's that's much. excellent. That's actually a good answer. <laughs> I didn't grow up with rhymes. I really did. I was I was deprived of rhymes as a child. But I uh, what's it called? The first nightmare came out the year I was born. Watched it. A few years later, and I'm like, oh, I know that one. That one's sticking in my mind. That's my answer. Bam. Good answer. So Eric Roberts, the actor, 
recently spoke at the Smoke-Free Alternatives Trade Association, the SFATA, their annual meeting, doing a speech called Why I Vape. And I have a nice picture of Eric Roberts behind a podium doing his speech, Why I Vape. Now, I know both of you are heavy smokers. Uh, so I'm going to start with you, Liam. Have you uh, gotten into vaping? And what do you think about people who vape? Uh, I am not a vape apologist. Uh, uh-huh. I, do not, I do not support vapists. Okay. And uh, I this is legitimately in, <laughs> in, 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 a, uh, in a show in which we are given many reasons to maybe develop some negative feelings towards Mr. Roberts. I have never done so until this moment. And now I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I can trust Eric Roberts anymore. All right. Well, that's one opinion. Over to you, Jaime. What do you think? Um, okay. Well, I, for speaking personally, I actually don't vape or I don't smoke. Actually, I've never smoked. I'll leave yeah, I, I don't either. Doug's just being an asshole. Yeah, I actually have never smoked either. Uh, so I probably I got to get used to that. I got to get used to that being an asshole. <laughs> you do. I mean, everyone does. But eventually. <laughs> I but do uh, have- kind of an interesting vape story because back when vaping first became like he like it started to get popular i had a friend of mine uh actually at uh he was my boss at the theater uh projections uh he was a big time smoker but he decided to get into vaping and then he decided well what if i created my own vaping business what if i decided to make my own flavors Uh. and market them so he actually wanted to bring me on to do like the the advertising the commercials from the website but it never got off the ground. But I, I, the only, the closest thing they came was making the labels and the bottles. That was the closest they came. But they, you know, they switched from hardcore cigarettes to hardcore vaping. So every Thursday night when we all stayed behind building prints and shit, they were, we were actually inside. They were vaping away. And I'm not gonna lie, a lot of it was like, oh, the kind smells nice. Yeah. I, I don't. I mean, if it's a way to get off of cigarettes, all the more power to you. That's great. If it's a way for you to you to way for you to think you look cool, yeah, you look just about as cool as you wearing a Bluetooth on your ear. You look, you're the man. You're the fucking man. Okay, <laughs> please. My thoughts on me. <laughs> I will say just to uh, uh, calm some of Liam's concerns regarding Eric Roberts, I imagine a lot of his vaporing uh, has to do with him vaporizing marijuana for the purposes of inhaling it <laughs> and then getting uh, high off of it. Oh, that makes me feel much better. You're right. Okay. I should have I should have known. <laughs> In my search for Eric Roberts news, I found a wonderful press release titled Prince Mario <laughs> Max Schomburg Lip of Germany and Eric Roberts for Peace. Oh, I love it. Love it, love it, love it. <laughs> now this says Hollywood actors Eric Roberts, Eliza Roberts, and Dr. Mario Max Prinz Schomburg Lip. Join the Arts for Peace Awards at the Jewish Sabin Temple of the Arts and Theater, speaking up for peace. So this guy, Prince Mario Max Schumburg Lip of Germany, is apparently a prince. <laughs> and he has like a really a huge social network uh, following. But if you go onto like his Twitter feed, he posts nothing but garbage. And I don't mean like offensive garbage. I just mean there's nothing, there's no content there. So you just know that all of his followers are not real people. Or maybe in Germany, this guy is beloved or something like that. But certainly here, I had never heard of Prince Mario Max Schumburg Lip of Germany. Uh, so this tickled me because it all, this entire press release was just about how he, Prince Mario Max Schumburg Lip of Germany, was at this peace event with Eric Roberts and his wife. And there's a nice photo of Eric Roberts and his wife. And uh, Prince Mario Max Schumburg Lip of Germany. And 
that's the whole thing. It's just that we were at this event, and uh, it ends with, it does not matter where you come from. The only thing that matters is that you are a good person. Uh, and I actually, I think I put on the note for both of you guys that this guy has a very irritating social media presence. Wait, so, I, I think you're skipping two very important things here. Please tell me what those are. One, the list of the Hollywood actors community, which includes <laughs> Retha Gray, Bobby Chance, Mo- Mooney Aroni, uh-huh. Ted Davishian, Josh uh-huh. Borland, Romulo Canizales, Samir Kazameni, and Mike O'Hearn. How did they get Mike O'Hearn to get there? I can't believe it. That was a star-studded <laughs> list. But then, the next sentence is the most important thing. Uh, peace comes from respect, and that is why I love to spread the knowledge of etiquette and protocol to bring peace to this world. Is there anything more German than <laughs> spreading protocol to bring world peace? I can only think of one other thing, and it's not pleasant. <laughs> Well, maybe he, met, maybe he meant ghost protocol. Maybe he yeah. meant... <laughs> uh, <laughs> Fair, fair. By the way, I just got to say, when it goes into Romulo, Canizales, Ken, Samira, Kame, all that, and then sure. Michael Hearn, it's basically going, <laughs> oh, Bob, Bob Hope. Uh, Dick Jones. Oh, okay. Oh, oh, that guy. Oh, I love that guy. Dick Jones. <laughs> Wait, the Dick Jones? Be <laughs> <laughs> still, Roberts. I'm here at this event to ask you about etiquette and protocol and spreading it around the world. Do you what not do you love think? the protocol? That's a, what, you do not like the protocol? <laughs> Back in Germany. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> that's all I know about Prince Mario Max Schumberg Lip of Germany. If you are a fan of Prince Mario Max Schumberg Lip of Germany, please write in and tell us all about why we should care about him and his love for peace, etiquette, and protocol. <laughs> Speaking of celebrities gathering for things, celebrities gathered at Trump International Hotel. There's that political aspect again. Trump International Hotel in Washington, D.C. to fight human trafficking. This was an event hosted by Chris Hansen from Dateline NBC's To Catch a Predator and was a star-studded affair, including such famous people as MC Bobby Singerman, musician Keaton Simons. How about that? <laughs> the uh, son-in-law of uh, Eric Roberts and Eric Roberts himself, and it helpfully notes in this article, Julia Roberts' brother. <laughs> God damn it, God. <laughs> uh, I believe that Eric Roberts is now the spokesman for the uh, the Airline Ambassadors International Human Trafficking anti-thing that this was all in celebration of. I saw another article about that. So that's great. Eric Roberts is helping to fight human trafficking. Liam, your thoughts on human trafficking? Uh, you know, I've really thought about it, and I'm against it. All right, okay. Let's get the other side of the conversation here. Uh, <laughs> Jaime, what do you think about human trafficking? For the first time ever in my life, I will agree with Liam. <laughs> oh, my God. So moving on to who is Mario's father Vince on Code Black? That's Eric Roberts. There's a show called Code Black, and apparently Eric Roberts is on it. Moving on. <laughs> Longtime right. listeners of the show might remember Eyes movie, A Trip to Jamaica. Uh, we've mentioned it in the last couple of episodes. And what's really important about this is that I, who is a comedian in Nigeria, his previous film uh, was the most financially successful movie in the history of Nigeria. And Eyes, A Trip to Jamaica, which just recently was released, it's looking to rake in 80 million naira. Uh, which so far has surpassed every other movie to hit the cinemas in Nigeria in 2016. So it's on its way 
to breaking the Guinness Book of World Records record for most profitable Nigerian movie of all time, which means, of course, that soon Eric Roberts will be in the most profitable uh, Nigerian movie of all time. What do you think about that, Jaime? That brings wonderful, joyful tears to my eyes. You know why? Because there's no one else that deserves it more than Eric Roberts. I don't care what country it is. Let him be part of, of the most. Actually, for a while, he was here in the, in the States, most profitable movie of all time. And he deserves it. Wouldn't Oh, you know what? That's interesting that you say that. Because wouldn't it have been neat if he could be in the... Because, look, let's face it. Eric Roberts, he makes a lot of movies. He's in a lot of them. So maybe he could be in the top-grossing movie in every country on Earth. Sounds good, doesn't it, Liam? I mean, I'm excited at the concept. Now, Liam, you're a faith-based individual. Sure. So Eric Roberts does some faith-based movies, you might recall. Uh, Unfortunately, yes. Well, there's one coming out soon, or at least it's being filmed right now, and it's called The Reliant. And it's a faith-based survival adventure that focuses on redemption and forgiveness and protocol in the midst of crisis. Uh, it's a modern-day Red Dawn meets Jesus movie, according to the film's producer. Uh, and it's... Uh... <laughs> I can already... Like, that description makes me think it's going to be just horribly offensive. Anyway, the film The Reliant stars Brian Bosworth, the Boz, Kevin Sorbo, the Sorb, <laughs> and <laughs> Eric Roberts. <laughs> it says underneath this, by the way, Bosworth has appeared in movies during his acting career that dates back to the 1990s. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so this, like, Eric Roberts really does have sort of like a secondary career in faith-based cinema. Um, but, uh, and I, it always kind of confuses me to see him alongside... People like Kevin Sorbo, who, I'm just going to put it out there, is a piece of garbage. It's <laughs> uh, just a human monster. It's it's. Uh, why does Sorbo also have such a career in Christian movies when he is the creepiest dude I can think of? Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, wait really? This is actually the first I'm hearing about this by Kevin Sorbo. I, I, I don't pay enough attention to him, but I didn't know he was considered a creepy dude. Well, this is because, and maybe you can, yeah, you can feel free to disagree. It might seem like we're teaming up on you, Jaime, but we're not really. Uh, not yet. But Kevin Sorbo <laughs> was in a movie, a piece of cinema called God's Not Dead, about a student who oh. goes to university, you see, and he has a atheist professor. Ugh, and this atheist professor tries to make him stop believing in Jesus and the fact that the earth is only 4,000 years old and all that stupid shit. And instead, uh, this, this guy turns to the Bible and uh, I think I haven't seen the movie, but I think then he stabs Kevin Sorbo to death. <laughs> and he while screaming, he's like, "God's not dead!" And he's just like screaming and stabbing and stabbing. Um, and then they made, made a sequel. <laughs> what? I was just about to say, I gotta see this movie now. <laughs> and then Kevin Sorbo he calls upon the powers of Zeus in order to uh, fight him. It really it sounds like it's a special effects extravaganza. Anyway, yes, Kevin Sorbo is. I mean, look. Let's not get political here, <laughs> but uh, he would be what I would describe as a right wing nut job. Is that fair, Liam? Uh, yeah, and just a. He, I've only had the opportunity to interact with him at <laughs> a film festival, and it was only for a few minutes. And during that time, in how he was interacting with every female around him, managed to give me the skeevies. <laughs> Like, oh. and I, you know, and I have a pretty high, let, let me, let me be clear too. I am not some sort of white knight. I have a pretty high tolerance of like, yeah, this is Kevin Sorbo. Of course he's trying to get laid. Like that's who he is. 
And even with that acknowledgement, I was like, yo, this dude is a fucking creepazoid. You know, like, come on, man. Like, let's take it down a notch, please. Yeah. Like, Jesus Christ. And it was like on a weekend at like 11 a.m. And I'm oh. like, bro, <laughs> like, what the fuck is your deal right now? And so I like no that, that combined with his like super right wing, which is, I guess, this is this is where we're at, right, with the church, right? Is that like, oh, you will support any you know insanely right-wing cause then clearly you are the person we need for this jesus movie because those right. things are the same thing right like they're totally the same and meanwhile they're not but who cares <laughs> sorry sorry no idea. No yeah sorry idea sorry to destroy your rewatching of hercules legendary journeys but i will tell you there are still many seasons of xena warrior princess that you can still enjoy happily <laughs> this does say in the article roberts talking about eric roberts Brother to actress Julia Roberts earned a Golden Globe nomination for Best Actor Debut after appearing in The King of Gypsies in 1978, followed by several film and TV roles throughout the <laughs> 1990s and 2000s. <laughs> several. I'm, I'm having. May, may I just say, I'm having a wonderful time. That's all I wanted to say. Continue. Okay. <laughs> well, there's uh, there's miles to go. <laughs> I can't like this is a particularly long Roberts report, but it is our Halloween special, which is why there's so much spooky news. Uh, I do want to mention that uh, recently released on DVD was the film Evil Exhumed, directed by legendary genre director David Dakota. And uh, there's a review of it by the Foy Wonder over at DreadCentral.com. And I just wanted to read the first paragraph of it. <clears throat> Uh, by the way, former guest of the show, Justin DeClue, recently sat down with David Dakota and talked to him for about an hour, including talking about Eric Roberts and uh, and their experiences together. Apparently, David Dakota is under the impression that Eric Roberts would not recognize him if he saw him on the street, even though they've made like six or seven movies together. Yeah, it's strange. David Dakota... <laughs> <laughs> according to this according to this review, David Dakota has become the Nigerian Prince email scam of filmmaking. How else to explain expecting people to pay for the feature-length B-roll he frequently passes off at cinema or the sheer gall it takes to promote Eric Roberts as the star of your film, knowing he does not actually appear in it, merely providing brief voiceovers at the very beginning and end, which is such a David Dakota thing to do. Remember, uh, actually, I don't. I think this was before your time, Liam, was it, when we had the, the film... Um, with Tom Berenger in it? No, I did not see that one. Well, it, there was another David Dakota movie, a Western. Um, and it, at the very beginning, at the very end, it had Tom Berenger against the blue screen just talking nonsense. And that was him, like, starring in the movie. <laughs> anyway, oh we'll gosh. all be checking out. We'll be, yeah, we'll be checking out Evil Exhumed here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And why is that, Liam? Because we took a blood oath. We took a blood oath to watch all Eric Roberts-related media. Finishing I off. Very finish, nice. finish. Well, it's is it nice? Sometimes it's nice. Other times it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it is our blessing and our curse here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Finishing off the Roberts report this week, recently added to the ever expanding Internet Movie Database page of Eric Roberts is 2017's The Terror, directed by makeup artist Todd Tucker and written by A Christmas Stories Zach Ward. Yeah, Zach Ward has written a movie called The Terror. And it's about a uh, after a 15-year-old is brutally beaten up by high school bullies, his wish for revenge unknowingly unleashes the terror of Halloween with Eric Roberts as Ed. Jaime, does that sound like a movie you would enjoy? 2017's The Terror. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. You know why? Because Zach Ward wrote this amazing film. I, I'm already going to call it amazing because I know it's going to be amazing. I'm not good at this. But, uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, it's got Eric Roberts. Of course I'll watch it. And um, does it sound particularly amazing? No. But, of course, I'll watch it because it's Eric Roberts. Well, I think that's very fair. That's a very <laughs> fair attitude. We'll, we'll see if you feel the same once it actually comes out. And with that, that's the end of this week's Roberts Report for episode number 37. We're going to take a break, a little short break, a little musical interlude. And when we return, 2011's anthology film, Chillerama. We'll be back in just a minute. It's the closing night at the last drive-in theater in America, and Cecil B. Kaufman has planned the ultimate marathon of lost film prints to unleash upon his faithful cinephile patrons. It's the anthology movie Chillerama from 2011, featuring a cavalcade of stars. Uh, there are... It's going to be a, an interesting movie to talk about again because it is an anthology movie. It has, uh, I think, four or five segments in it. Let's see I'll, if I can break them down here. There's Wadzilla... I Was a Teenage Weirbeer, The Diary of Anne Frankenstein, and Zombie Movie. Yeah, which is sort of, that kind of breaks into the um, the surrounding film that's taking place. There's also a short piece of a movie that, that uh, involves shit that we'll talk about as well. But uh, I want to get people's sense overall of how much they enjoyed Chillerama. It is from um, Adam Green, Joe Lynch, Tim Sullivan, Adam Rifkin, uh, four guys who have been sort of, I would say not necessarily at the forefront of modern horror movie making, but certainly uh, well-known names in uh, in that genre for people who care about horror movies. Uh, your interest in them or your like of their work might vary, and I'm talking to both you, the listeners, and to both Liam and Jaime. But let's start with our guest. Jaime, what did you think of Chillerama? And was this your first time seeing it? Uh, no, actually, I saw it, uh, I think, a year, about a year ago. Uh, not part of the horror fest. I just wanted to watch it one night. And uh, overall... I thought it was a fucking blast. I thought it, I mean, not everything worked. I will say that. But my favorite segment was the wraparound, was, uh, was the one Joe Lynch did, uh, basically just seeing everyone uh, turn into just a bunch of fucking awesome monster zombies. Um, <laughs> it was awesome. But uh, it was cool because it was, it, to me, I like, I like anthology movies that's sort of like a who's who. Of, among the cast, like they may not be big names, but I've definitely seen them elf, elsewhere. Uh, let's see. Actually, uh, besides Eric Roberts, seeing um, AJ Bowen in the wraparound story personally right. was fucking cool. That was cool as shit. Um, I liked it overall. I thought it was good, and even the week, even the we'll, we'll get to that later. But even the week segments had funny moments. So yeah, I thought it was great. Well, I'm gonna get both of you to rank the segments at the end of, of our discussion. But I do want to start here just asking you, Jaime, what was your favorite and least favorite of the segments? Okay, so okay, but if we're going to go – if we're not counting the wraparound, I'm going to go favorite segment, Wadzilla. Easily Wadzilla. <laughs> I can't – I just crack up thinking about it. Least favorite was uh, I Don't Want to Die Virgin. 
I think that was no, 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 not that one. I'm sorry. I was a teenage werebear. That was my least favorite, but even then, that had some moments that made me laugh my ass off. So, like, yeah, that's my rank. Okay, okay. Well, we'll talk about some of these in a little more detail in just a bit. It's almost too much to cover if we if we talked about all of them in detail. I do want to mention here, by the way, Eric Roberts is in this movie that we're talking about right now, very briefly. Uh, I mean, I think there might be two minutes of screen time. He does get to say some amusing things. Uh, and he is against a blue screen, I think, or a green screen the entire time that he's in this movie, wearing a, uh, playing like a gruff sergeant. Um, in fact, with the uh, memorable uh, name of General Bukaki. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but he's actually only in the Wadzilla segment, which I guess we're probably going to focus most of our attention on that. But I do want to get your thoughts, Liam. Overall, what were your thoughts on Chillerama? Um, when it, it was helpful early on in, uh, the wraparound that I recognized some of the actors as not just, uh, horror actors, but comedic actors. Cause I think, right. I think I was thinking at first that this was a horror film, uh, anthology played for laughs, but not, a, not something that was directly a comedy. You know what I mean? Like right. something where you're like, we're going to make this kind of bad, and then the badness is the joke. But right. then when you realize that that's not really what's going on, this is more, in a way, a comedy film. And horror is just like a trope that we're messing with in something that's actually got jokes, like actual humor worked in. I think that helped me because my first reaction as the movie starting is like uh, with the with the very first sequence, which leads into the wraparound. And when he's digging up the corpse. And, yes. Uh, I was like. Oh, I already hate this. Like, I am not. This is not for me. Whatever, whatever. Then as I started to get into the groove and then Wadzilla started, I'm like, oh, I need to think of this more as like uh, a, a, a comedy with like worked out jokes and humor and whatever. And horror, be horror movies are just sort of the context for it. That helped me kind of like get in the mindset, which is not the movie's fault. That's my fault for not really thinking about, you know, it's sort of having a bias, which is that something that's played just to like the joke is that it's bad. That I can't, I can't deal with. That's like right. I, I don't enjoy that. But this, I was like, well, let's get into the humor of it. The, uh, I thought just like Jaime did that every sequence had something that I thought was funny. Like there was nothing. At no point was I like, oh, you know, this whole thing was bad. But for me though, like nothing really won me over. I, I, it wasn't an unpleasant experience. Like I laughed some parts of it, but. It, it wasn't something I particularly got into. And I think it's because it's just not my style of humor per se. Like there were some jokes that really got me and other things. I was just kind of like, okay, yeah, yeah, that's what would happen. All right. You know, now, what, like, now when you say your style of humor, what is the style of humor that's on display here? Um, it's very scatological. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, but in that also like very obvious for me, at least, it felt very obviously everything was sort of what I would expect the joke to be in that sense. Right. Um, uh, there's a little bit of like just sort of off color, like the uh, uh, diary of Anne Frankenstein also had some some things actually were kind of funny. But uh, but, you know, it was uh, jokes about World War Two and, you know, making fun of uh, Hitler and, uh, you know, uh, Hitler's lady friend uh, apparently being uh loose and various <laughs> various judaism jokes and things like that and and again this is the thing with it is that like it was never like none of this is funny some of it was funny but 
I, for me and my sense of humor, I was never like, oh, my God, I'm dying. I was like, oh, yeah, OK. You know, like it was just a general, uh, you know, I, I, I had some fun with it, but it I don't know. I didn't enjoy it as much as I thought I would when I realized like, oh, this is, you know, it's it's comedy. They're playing off of B-horror movies. This is going to be great. I like, got kind of excited, especially the same thing when I started recognizing some of the actors and being like, Oh, I, I, you know, I vaguely know who that is. That's kind of cool. Whatever, whatever. Um, it still just never clicked with me. Now, uh, the same as with Jaime rank the, the best and worst segment for your sensibilities. Oh, um, that's hard. It's hard to say. I think, uh, I might, I might have to agree say Wadzilla was my favorite if we're not counting the wraparound my but the the part that i enjoyed the most was the wraparound oh, uh, i think yeah, i think you, you can count the wraparound okay i think the wraparound was the best all the segments i had some enjoyment with but some issues with i felt like i liked a lot of the concept of Wadzilla, but by the end i just was not as into it i don't know i didn't i didn't really enjoy the whole uh Statue of Liberty section of that movie. Um, I actually kind of liked the, I was a teenage werebear to some extent, but it felt like they were nailing a lot of the same jokes by the end of it. So it started to get old. But at first I was like, Oh, I kind of like this. Yeah. I like the concept of it. Um, but it, it, I didn't feel like they went anywhere with it. That was particularly hilarious. And then, um, yeah, I guess I have kind of the same critique of the three because there was the three main ones, right? And then there was the poop one. Right. And I, I hate it. The yeah. poop one's not real. The poop one's just right. sort of on the screen while other stuff's going on. Mm-hmm. But I, just side note, I hated the poop one, which is <laughs> which is like weird because I don't think of myself as particularly sensitive when it comes to anything scatological. And yet the poop one after a while is like, all right, I get it. There's poop. All right. Can we do something else right now? Like what's going on? <laughs> yeah. um, but uh but so the Diary of Van Frank, I think all three of the segments is in the same way. The initial concept, I'm like, oh, yeah, all right. And then I'm not as into, I guess the the the, the thing about the Diary of uh, Anne Frankenstein is that it went a little long. But the ending where um, the uh, monster, who is apparently also Jewish, is then uh, basically wrestling Hitler. Right. That, that part was kind of hype. I kind of got stoked on that. So I'm just going to put that out there, that it had the strongest ending. Uh, but I think for me, the rat, the overall wraparound was the most interesting, even as it also went a little uh, crazy for me, too. But whatever. It's interesting hearing other people's perspective on this. Uh, it, it's also anthology movies are notorious for being inconsistent, right? And I will say mm-hmm. that one of the interesting things about Chillerama is that it is fairly consistent. There is a consistent kind of sensibility behind what's being made here. So it's hard to like really, really dislike a segment outside of the one that was all based around shit uh, because there there is obviously the, the same kind of influences for the directors here. There's a lot of the same sort of uh, interests. Uh, and so... What we have here are four segments. Each one is sort of made to seem like it's from a uh, particular time in history, whether it be like a 1930s-style monster movie, that would be The Diary of Anne Frankenstein, whether it be Wadzilla, which is sort of like late 50s, giant monster, science fiction-y type thing. Also, the 1950s for uh, I Was a Teenage Werebear, which is very much of... Both kind of a mix of like beach party movies and also like Grease and other musicals. Yes, musicals. And then the zombie movies like the late 70s, early 80s. 
I will say that I thought Wadzilla was the best segment by a pretty significant amount because it just holds together as a story, even though it goes crazy at the end. I just felt like it built in a way that the rest of them didn't. And um, I thought the Diary of Anne Frankenstein had some funny gags in it, but also – uh, it was in it's in really bad taste, which again I don't really have a major problem with. But it's it's it felt like it was leaning into that maybe a little bit too much. Then of course it was followed by that shit one, so maybe maybe that that uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> that took the edge off a little. I I do have to say though I didn't enjoy I was a teenage weirbeer at all. Uh, I didn't like the music. I thought the lead actor was really bad in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought his singing wasn't good, which I know is a weird thing to criticize here. But you know as a Notable singer myself. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I I thought he was just he just didn't have any oomph in what he was doing. Uh, I like the um, the central sort of um, concept, the idea of of uh, you know burgeoning sexuality and homosexuality in particular, and uh, using that in the context of comparison with like almost a Twilight style. Uh, van, uh, werewolf gang and all of that coming out and the idea of all this kind of burgeoning sexuality. Uh, and I liked the, how far that they were willing to go with that. I just felt like it went on a little too long and there was really, like you said, Liam, just sort of one joke to it. It's just that these are gay werewolves and he's going to bite you in the ass and make you gay as well. And it's like, well, okay, right? That's funny, but what else do you got for me? Um, and also it felt like the most restrained in some ways, even though it goes so far in other directions. So I didn't much care for that, but uh, I, I do want to talk a little bit more detail, in a little bit more detail about Wadzilla. So for those who haven't seen Chillerama, most of what we're saying right now must seem awfully confusing. But just to give you a sense of the kind of plot we're dealing with, Wadzilla involves a man, played by the director Adam Rifkin, named Miles Munson, who uh, suffers from a low sperm count. So his doctor, played by Ray Wise, gives him some pills to help uh, make his boys swim a little faster. And what it does instead is it makes him uh, feel extreme pain in his genitalia because his sperm is growing to massive sizes. One of them gets out because he has to masturbate to get it out. And it, uh, it starts to grow larger and larger and larger until it basically attacks the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> and thankfully, we have General Bukaki played by Eric Roberts, to try to stop it. And uh, they end up exploding it at the end, and everyone gets covered in cum. I think that covers it pretty well. Uh, so it is a – it's in very bad taste, just like everything is in here. But it's – I do think it is the funniest segment. Uh, I also think Adam Rifkin is actually really, really funny as Miles Munson. And Ray Wise is a fucking hoot. As the doctor in this segment, I think he really like steals steals it. It uh, it's infantile in a lot of ways, but I think it actually does work very well. I just want to go back over to you for a second, Jaime. Are you familiar with the directors that were involved in Chillerama? Have you seen some of their other work? Uh, yeah, actually, um, let's see. With definitely Adam Green, definitely Adam Rifkin. Uh, Adam Rifkin, because uh, he seems like a really nice guy too, especially on Twitter. Uh, Tim Sullivan. I think this was. The first uh, first time I'd seen his work. Um, okay, we're just kind of going with Adam Green here. Uh, Hatchet one and two, uh, and of course Frozen. I think those movies are well. Okay, Hatchet and Frozen are really solid, good uh, horror movies. Uh, Hatchet two, not so much, but uh, I'm not sure if you guys saw Hatchet three. But he didn't direct Hatchet three. But there was a part in, in the beginning when uh, Zach, I can't pronounce his last name, but he was in he was in Gremlins. Where he was talking about Galligan. The plot. Galligan, thank you. He was talking about the plot of Hatchet Two, like kind of like what? And he's like, "That's got to be the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard." <laughs> and then it cuts to Adam Green 
like looking at him like, what the fuck? <laughs> to me, that made it for all of Hatchet 2. I was like, okay, you're good. You're awesome. Um, but yeah, Adam Green's solid. Joe Lynch, um, I think he did, if I'm not mistaken, uh, wrong, two, wrong Turn 2 or 3. Uh, I actually liked uh, the one that he did. Um, I, I believe, didn't uh, Ty West direct Wrong Turn 2? Am I wrong on that? I think he did um, didn't Cabin, he Cabin Fever 2. Oh, yeah, he did Cabin Fever 2. That's right. Joe Lynch did Wrong Turn 2, which is way better than Wrong Turn. Wrong Turn's not that. Yeah, the, the original is not good at all. Uh, uh, but Joe, but also Joe Lynch did, of course, uh, Everly with Salma Hayek. I got a... Yeah, that's to, to me, personally, that's an awesome movie. Adam Rifkin, the only other thing I'd seen him do was uh, Detroit Rock City. But to me, that's like a movie I grew up with. So I fucking love that movie. Now, uh, okay, I'm going to stop you there just for a second. Uh, yeah. Because I believe, didn't Tim Sullivan write Detroit Rock City? Or he's involved with that as well, I believe. I'm not sure, actually. What? I'm not sure if, uh, I, who wrote that. I got to look that up. Um, but I, I just want to stop you for a second because Detroit Rock City, for those who haven't seen it, is a comedy about uh, these teenagers trying to see a Kiss concert. And Tim Sullivan loves Kiss. In fact, he tried to start an anthology t- television series, which was like the beginning of what Chillerama became, uh, which would have Gene Simmons hosting these segments. Um, and that's really interesting to me because I hate Gene Simmons. <laughs> <laughs> and I despise Kiss. Uh, so I'm just going to go over to you for a second, Liam. What are your thoughts on Kiss? Uh, I, too, truly hate Kiss in, in a kind of like a profound way. Well, be profound. I don't like the music. The costume gimmick is lame. Uh, the whole thing where it's like, oh, my God, his tongue is so big. Oh. And uh, the marketing of their image on every item ever. It just was never nothing about it ever connected to me. So. Uh, I can't really get down with it. It's not all right. So that's Liam's it feels opinion. Very much like uh, like white man cock rock. Okay, all right. Well, what what would black man cock cock rock be like? Uh, you ever hear Death from Detroit? I guess. Oh yes, I have a band called Death. Yeah. Back over to you, Jaime. What are your thoughts on Kiss? Um, I'm not going to say I hate them, but that's only because I'm I. Let me, I'll put it this way. I've heard maybe a total of my whole lifetime, maybe three Kiss songs. Did I care for them? No, not really. I mean, I don't have like a, a they don't rise up a hatred to me, but what's not maybe not interesting, but I used to have a, a friend of mine, actually a real good friend of mine. That was his favorite band. Yes. We all, all have time. a friend. We all have a friend like that. <laughs> oh man. He loved Kiss and he tried so hard. To, to get me to like, he converted me to, to Balzac, the, the Japanese punk rock band. I, I easily got on board with that. But uh, Kiss, he, he tried a lot. And I'm just like, no, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm good. It's, it, it just never appeals to me. I never got, and I never got the appeal personally. I had a, a roommate when I first moved to Ontario, a good friend of mine, someone I knew for years and years. And he loved Kiss, big, huge fan. And he used to tell me how much he loved the song Lick It Up. And if I remember correctly, that song goes, lick it up, lick it up, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I, I look, I don't want to be critical of the very talented musicians in the rock band Kiss, but uh, I just don't care about anything they do. And it seems like if someone I don't care about that much, I shouldn't hate, but they're always there. They just won't go away. <laughs> and Gene Simmons, he really is a ridiculous person, but he also... He is so smug and self-important, and I just want to smack him in the face and maybe 
grab him by the hair and just like headbutt him until his face is mush. But that's just my opinion on uh, Gene Simmons from Kiss. Let's go back to Chillerama for a second. <laughs> uh, what, uh, you know, the Wadzilla has a lot of uh, moving sperm in it. A giant sperm that was actually created by the uh, Kyoto brothers who did, of course, Killer Clowns from Outer Space and lots of other special effects. I really like the look of this segment as well. And it's interesting because it is, it has a lot of that kind of fake film grain and fake film damage that really does irritate me because I see them a lot in no budget movies. But I thought it really worked in this tone, especially because it's really supposed to be almost like, like again, a, a 50s, early 60s monster movie. Um, what did you, now you said, uh, Liam, that you didn't enjoy the parts with the Statue of Liberty. Can you expand on that a little bit? Well, uh, you know, the sperm has grown to an immense size, uh-huh. and so they're trying to figure out what to do with the sperm, and they decide that the only uh, vagina large enough, apparently, f- to attract this sperm is a Statue of Liberty. Uh, immediately, I'm, I'm not on board uh, because the, the, the scale is just off. The sperm's already too big for that, but okay. Oh, let's, boy, let's you're right. I, did, I didn't think about that. I mean, I do think that... You know, a large, giant female who is begging huddled masses who are yearning to breathe free to uh, come upon her. It seems like a good fit. It's so gross. It's like (laughs) the whole thing is, I mean, I'm trying not to be too tough on it because the whole, at some point you can't be offended by something like Chillerama because it's so gross. It's, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's like being bummed about a fart. It's like, you right. know, like you just gotta let it go. Come on. It's not that big a deal. But to be fair, that part was a little gross for me in general. And then it doesn't also work within the realm of the movie. And then it, it, we just get a shot of a, a giant sperm humping the side of, of the Statue of Liberty. I just was like, <laughs> all right, we've, we've, we were already pretty corny, but the thing is, is like, okay, earlier when the sperm is still like a reasonable size and he's fighting the sperm well, before, so it doesn't kill him and his uh, date, mm-hmm. that was that was cool. Like that, there was something about that that I kind of like appreciated, even if it was ridiculous. That the end of it just felt like well, we can't go anywhere else with this thing. Let's just shoot goo everywhere on everyone, and that's how we'll end the thing. And it just didn't work for me. It does get really crazy. Like they do helicopter in a giant condom to try to put over the statue. Yeah. Of <laughs> what? What is even the fucking point of that? <laughs> There's no I, point to that. It's just awesome. Just saying. A giant condom on the Statue of Liberty. I already am cracking up. I don't know. It, maybe it's juvenile of me. I don't know. It just makes me laugh. It is juvenile. It is. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I don't think of myself as not being juvenile. That's I. I guess that's the issue. It's like it's. We've talked about this before, Doug. It's like because I like punk. When I hear punk, I don't like. I really don't like it. Whereas if I hear country music, I don't like. I'm like, oh, that's fine. That's not for me. Right. That, it doesn't offend you in the same way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So watching this, I'm like. Hey, I like horror movies, and I have a juvenile sense of humor. I should love this shit. And for some reason, parts of it I did not love. I was actually annoyed by. All right. Well, that's. That, I think that's very fair. Actually, it's a good explanation, Liam. Back over to you, Amy. What's your favorite anthology movie? Oh, let's, let's see. Um, the favorite anthology movie. It's it's kind of because anytime anyone ever asks me, just. It's it, what's your favorite movie ever? I can't answer that. What's your favorite sure. movie ever? I can never answer that. But uh-huh. as far as ones that I can think of that to me are are, are outstanding, um, 
Okay, you know what? I might get some shit for this, but I'm gonna go ahead and go with bat. It, it's I'm not gonna say it's the best or my favorite, but a <laughs> great, great anthology movie. Uh, VHS two, not the first one, but part two. That to me was a fucking great anthology film. Um, everything worked. All all the segments worked. All of it. The wraparound story, eh, it's okay, but the the actual core stories, I love those. Uh, I have a soft spot for Tales from the Dark Side theatrical. Right. Uh, I have a big softball for that one, especially the last story. Uh, poor, poor guy. <laughs> um, but uh, I mean, yeah. As far as anthology film, I, I need to see more. I feel like I haven't seen enough. Uh, but when I tell you what, when it doesn't work, it's 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 just it's a, a sad sight. Yeah, yeah, it's deflating. Same question over to you, Liam. Before we talk about Eric Roberts, uh, Tales from the Hood. Tales from the Hood. Uh, what's a, what's an example of a uh, anthology movie you really don't like, Liam? Ooh, that's a good question. I, I, you know, I, I, I would have to say the third VHS movie. Yeah, oh, that's interesting. Yes, interesting. It's really bad. Um, I'm trying to think of. I'm trying to go. I'm also trying to think of something like that would be considered more classic. Like what's sure. a classic anthology? And you know, um, I don't know. I don't know that I have seen as many as maybe I should because there are actually a lot of anthology horror movies and so i should have probably seen more than i have but of the ones i've seen um i don't love the second creep show either neither um, do i i hate it <laughs> i really I just I, it. it's not it. it's not great it's I, I don't hate it as much as some other people do but i don't like it well and i know I, you love that big chief wooden head segment oh <laughs> but uh but tales from the dark side is great i really like tales from the dark side i really like um Oh, Asylum? Did you ever see Asylum? It's Asylum? One. Ah, motherfucker. That was going to be my favorite one. That's my favorite anthology movie. It's really good. I, I, I have to go with Tales from the Hood above all of them because um, it, it, I consistently like every part of Tales from the Hood. So it's like, it, even though even if there are segments in other anthologies I like more than the segments of Tales from the Hood, I don't know that there's any anthology series that I consistently enjoy as much as I consistently enjoy Tales from the Hood. What I like most about Asylum is that it has a really great wraparound story. And it's so feeds, good. Yeah, yeah, it's so good. It's 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 better than some of the actual segments itself, which almost never happens. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of Asylum and Dr. Terror's House of Horrors, a lot of the classic ones, of course. Uh, and I don't – you know, I love the fact that there's been sort of a renaissance over the last five, six, seven years in anthology movies. Uh, and I don't think a lot of them are great, but usually – each one of them have a segment or two, or uh, in the cases of ABC's The Death, like a few segments that are that are worthwhile. So I'm I'm certainly not not gonna knock them. Um, but oh, uh, I, oh, 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 I will. I don't like the ABC's of Death. I like I like uh, I like the ABC's of Death two more than I like the first one. I actually saw I believe it was the premiere of it, or maybe the second screening at TIFF of the first ABC's of Death, and I had high expectations that were dashed oh. slightly i will say that there are some segments in that in that uh in the first abc's of death that i would consider like the worst examples of that director's work like it just 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 complete shit uh and i'm speaking specifically of ty west in this case yeah uh, oh. <laughs> some of some of the people like were really creative and other people were like i don't give a fuck let's toss this on off on a weekend um so uh getting back to the movie chillerama the movie we're talking about <laughs> Eric Roberts is featured as General Bukaki in the segment Wadzilla. It is a very strange appearance. And I, I mean that not just because of his name and the fact that uh, he's surrounded by people who get covered in cum, but because 
he is not introduced. Like, he just shows up in a scene. And not only does he not really have a... Um, his character not have, like, a, an end game or any sort of, of storyline that gets complete. They actually seem to switch him out at some point. I don't know if either of you noticed this. But it seems yes. like, yes. yeah, like, after everyone gets covered in jizz... The, all the people are still there, including Eric Roberts' character, but then he's like faced away from the camera, and it's obviously not him anymore. It's a really odd thing to include, um, and it makes it difficult to ask you guys about his uh, performance here, but I'm going to do it anyway. Liam, what did you think of Eric Roberts in uh, Wadzilla? Was, he, was, he, was, he, was, he was all right. All right, good review. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, like he's not—he's not given much to do. He's not necessarily. Um, there's not a lot of Eric Roberts there for me in my mind. Not just in the amount of, but like you know, uh, I've come to expect certain things from Eric Roberts, and it's—it's it's fine. You know, he—he just—he—he he does his part, and it is what it is. Uh, but it wasn't there. There's not much of him in this movie. No, there is. He gets to yell some pretty funny lines um, into like a, a, a big like telephone, just like you know, call in more, whatever. Um, and he gets to wear his dumb helmet that's cocked to the side. So I yeah, guess that there's like something. <laughs> so there's something there. Jaime, how about yourself? What did you think of Eric Roberts in Chillerama? I uh, I appreciate. I, I, to me, it kind of almost seems like Adam just called Eric Roberts. He's like. I, I need you for one day. I just need you to come in, just do something for one day. And Eric's like, yeah, sure, why not? And I I, I don't know. It, it was a little subtle touch to me, but the fact that he basically growled most of his life. <laughs> he was like, oh, it didn't work. Oh, it's a general Bukaki. <laughs> it was, uh, I, that made me laugh. And I, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's a random, random performance, random appearance. And like you said, Doug, it did. It bothered me that that was no longer Eric Roberts when his, face quote unquote was covered with cum and i'm like come on that sucks but uh he's also just to interrupt you for a second he's also the only one of those actors who are standing there who we don't have a close-up of them getting covered in jizz right even even ray wise takes it right in the face and you got to give him credit man he is an actor who i really love but he stars in all these christian movies as well so you know when he showed up in this i'm like well you know how 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 deep into the dirt is he going to go but then i remembered he was in that a tim and eric movie <laughs> so oh, yeah so so i my feeling is that ray wise will do anything that you ask him to do and in this case that involved literally throwing jizz in his face but uh, but just to continue jaime so uh you thought that he was gruff eric roberts was gruff but was, were disappointed that he was swapped out disappointed that he was not covered in cum is what i'll yes. say actually just quick real quick note about ray wise i think one of the, my absolute favorite moments not just in Wadzilla but in the entire movie is after everyone's dies to come when he presses down on his pocket <laughs> <laughs> that I was like oh thumbs up I applaud you thank you but yeah Eric Roberts for the little time he was in it much appreciated glad he was there all right. Well, I'm actually I, I I did like Eric Roberts in this movie. It is very abbreviated. I would like to learn a little more about why that was the case that he would have vanished in that way. Um, but uh, but and maybe we will someday. Maybe we can ask uh, the people involved because that's the miracle of living in 2016. I could just like tweet the director right now and say, "Hey, how come Eric Roberts vanished in that segment?" And maybe you'd hear something, or maybe the person would be like, "Fuck off! I don't need to talk to you. Who the hell are you?" Doug underscore Tilly, T-I-L-L-E-Y on Twitter. Um, so that leads us to the question, the very central point of this podcast, which is, is Eric Roberts the fucking man in 
Chillerama. Let's start with you, Jaime. Is Eric Roberts the fucking man? Eric Roberts is the fucking man because of two words. General Bukaki. All right. That, <laughs> I, I, feel, I, I feel good about that as a response. Liam, same question over to you. You know, uh, there's not much that he accomplishes in the movie to make him the man, but he also doesn't do anything to take away his status as the man. So I'm going to say, yes, he is the man in this movie. His his name, the General Bukaki name, certainly does a lot of the work for him. But uh, yeah, he acquits himself fine in his brief appearance. I will complete the trinity and say, of course, Eric Roberts is the fucking man in 2011's Chillerama, the anthology film that is in very bad taste. But I imagine if you're the kind of person who might enjoy something like this, our discussion has, has confirmed whether you're going to check it out or not. It's available on several streaming services, I believe, including Shudder. It was on Netflix. I'm not sure if it currently is, and I'm talking specifically of the U.S. in this case. But it's an easy movie to track down, very widely released at the time. So check it out. Chillerama, tell us your thoughts on Eric Roberts in the movie. We're going to take our next break. And when we return, another terrifying film. Yes, it's The House Across the Street. We'll be back in just a minute. Amy has moved east from Kansas, determined to start a new life. She thinks she has found the perfect, small, quiet town, a great neighborhood on a quiet street. As she moves into her brand new apartment, eager to start a dream job, happy to befriend her neighbors, she finds out that not everything is as it seems, especially at the house across the street. Yes, it's the Hitchcock-influenced The House Across the Street. And it's awful. (laughs) (laughs) It is really, really boring and really not good. But it does have some notable actors in it, including one Mr. Eric Roberts. It, um, boy, maybe, you know, I don't want to go too far or... I don't want to make it seem like it's this unwatchable dreck. It's just really, really uninteresting. I found it really hard to get through. It also has this blue tint on everything, which makes it so drab to watch. And the lead actress, Amy, played by Jessica Sonneborn, I think she... I don't I don't want to criticize the actress too much because this character would be very difficult to play. But she seems... Like, she starts off the movie seeing sleepy and, like, she... she it, uninterested. And as the movie goes on, you're supposed to think that she's getting more, like, really, like really curious about what's going on at this house across the street and like she's investigating things everyone calls her oh you playing detective again and we're supposed to think that she's really passionate about it and none of that comes through it she's as boring at the end of the movie as she is at the beginning there's a part where i feel like you're supposed to think she's empowered but you get none of that on on actual screen it is a really difficult movie to watch according to one mr doug tilly co-host of the eric roberts is the fucking man podcast but i'm going to start with our guest jaime what did you think of the house across the street i'll be completely honest uh when i because you sent me the file by the way thank you to, to watch that so i opened it and i watched it i at first i thought oh shit i think doug sent me the wrong thing 
And I kept watching. No, it's called The House Across the Street. Kept watching. Kept watching. Kept watching. And I, I think within the first 10 minutes, I was like, I am fucking insulted. It's just, what the fuck am I watching? It's, just, it's a horrible. And because um, not just story, not just acting, but as a, as a tech guy, as a guy that, you know, I, you know takes video editing, you know, I, t- I take it seriously, and, and especially audio editing. And seeing, like, especially the opening credits where the audio would just shift from, like, to, like, uh-huh. oh, hey, you're perfect. You're just what we're looking for. I wanted to punch my screen. I'm not going to lie. And then, like, just the, the what, whatever the fuck they filmed it on, I'm just looking at this and just, it insulted all of my senses. As a, as a as a video editor but then going along the story i was just maybe it's gonna get better maybe you know maybe it'll improve it never improves the story is terrible at at that point when she when she eventually like does a heroic thing for some reason the director just decides to play foot fetish and, <laughs> and films everyone's feet i'm oh no i'm not, I'm not I'll, I'll calm myself down but i'll just say this fucking awful that's it one of the I've done a little bit of video editing myself, and one thing that really stuck out to me in terms of the editing of this movie was that there are scenes where it feels like the scenes are supposed to go longer, but instead they just fade out. Like, they'll just fade to black in the middle. Like, just as things are look like they're about to get interesting, the scene mm-hmm. will just fade out. And it's just like, well, you better be holding back information that will be important later on, but mm-hmm. the movie is not doing that. <laughs> the transitions were terrible. Transition like, the fade to, fading to black in a movie in my opinion is if you're going to do that, like you just said, you got to make it worth it the next time around. You yeah. got to have something. They had nothing. So when they faded to, and it was a cheap fade to black too. Well, so when they faded to black, I just, uh, that, that's my, that's my thought. Arr, I can't even say a word for it. Well, let's see if, if Liam is feeling as angry regarding <laughs> the house across the street. What did you think, Liam? You told me before we started recording that you had some trouble getting through it. <laughs> well, that's Liam's thoughts on the movie. <laughs> it was it was so painful. I mean, because here's the thing: like we've watched some bad movies for this podcast, and what? <laughs> and but I haven't had that much trouble getting through them. This movie, it, it, the thing it fails at the most is showing you anything worth seeing in the sense that as uh uh Jaime already pointed out it looks bad like every there are multiple scenes that are so dark that I'm like is there an action taking place right now I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking at um but and the sound and all that stuff yes 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 but then on top of that um the acting for me is pain like beyond like local theater painful like it's like at some level that I don't even understand how you would finish a scene and be like, yeah, we got that. That was good. Let's, let's go to the next thing. Like, and then the story it's, it's, it's trying to be mysterious and it's a lot of mystery hiding nothing. Like it's really the most kind of basic childish plot, but the way that it's worked out and revealed is supposed to create this feeling of, I don't know, almost like a nightmarish. Like there, there, it, it feels like at some point you're you're supposed to be questioning what's happening, but not questioning what ha- what's happening in the way that I was, which is what the fuck is this movie about? But it's supposed <laughs> to be like, oh, she's like an unreliable narrator or something. And I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't care who she. There's nothing here for me to even know why I should care that she exists. 
And then we're introduced to these neighbors, and uh, there's nothing. She's like, she'll be upset. I don't know why she's upset. People are upset with her. No, no reason. I can't figure it out. They, she's on antipsychotic medication. Uh, it nothing, and and then even that detail. I thought, oh, okay. So are we going to start to suspect that she's having a psychotic episode? Right. Of course. But all she is is annoyed at people. So what am I supposed to think? Like without her antipsychotics, she's just like ill-tempered. Is that like what's going on? I don't. The it's frustrating to even feel like we have to explain it because it was just there's nothing you know we we've used sort of as the for a while at least since i've been on the show part of our sort of rock bottom was uh dark moon rising you know but at least dark moon rising had stuff that was weird enough that at times i'd be like what the fuck is even happening in a way that was like interesting even if overall that movie's you know a real piece of shit with this movie nothing even interesting happens for me to care uh other than the fact that i actually recognize some of the actors in this movie that was the most interesting aspect of the film so let's break down some of those actors a little bit so she moves to this new neighborhood i don't know how she can afford an entire house to rent for herself i guess she got a good deal but she rents from ethan embry it's an upstairs apartment it wasn't clear until there were steps going up there but it's an upstairs apartment and no one lives downstairs uh, they never felt like that was an important thing to explore. I didn't even okay. know that. I thought it was the whole house. Holy no, yeah, no. There, <laughs> there are multiple times that they have to go up the stairs to get to her apartment. They just never talk about it until it's like the end of the movie. I was like, oh, she lives above. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, or so- if she has the whole house for whatever reason, she has to go up the stairs to the second floor to get into the fucking house. <laughs> <laughs> Makes as much sense as anything else. So Ethan Embry plays the person who rents her the apartment. He shows up at the very beginning of the movie, and then you spend the rest of the time waiting for him to come back, and eventually he does. Um, Courtney Gaines is her neighbor, or one of her neighbors in the neighborhood. Uh, Courtney Gaines from uh, Children of the Corn and the Burbs. Very odd-looking actor then. He actually he plays like a super nice guy in this movie, so you know he's going to turn out being an asshole or evil at some point. Uh, and, and you do discover that. Alex Rocco is in this movie. He's the most surprising actor to appear in this. Alex Rocco, of course, from The Godfather 2, and he uh, has that amazing voice that they used on The Simpsons a bunch of times um, as George Myers uh, Jr. And he plays a neighbor who he who kind of unlocks the secret to one extent of what's going on here, but he also looks really confused in this movie, and I felt really bad because Alex Rocco passed away not too long after this movie was made. And uh, and then we have Eric Roberts, who is a police officer who is entrenched and ingrained in somehow in the mystery of what's going on. So at this point, I'm going to tell you what's going on, or more accurately, Liam is. Liam, what's the secret of the house across the street? So uh, apparently... <laughs> The house across the street is a uh, human trafficking prostitution ring that somehow makes a profit over having one kidnapped person in the house. And apparently it's a ring that is in other places, though they never clarify whether that's like, I guess because it it seems to involve our main character. It's a it's somehow a national ring that just has a house in the suburbs with yeah. a girl in there. So uh, the the movie begins with you know she's moving in she's immediately unhappy that she's moving in and they explain that at the end but at first you don't know why she's so like on edge and there's a woman yelling on a front lawn and then she gets 
hit by a car and dies. And at one point she was yelling about her daughter. And so then that begins a quest for our main character to figure out what's going on with this house. And apparently a lot of people in the town are involved or at least know about what's going on with the house across the street from her. Um, Eventually she finds out that she can't trust anyone related to this and that her own landlord is somehow the head of this ring. Uh, Oddly, apparently she was also involved in this particular (laughs) kidnapping ring, and yet her landlord doesn't recognize her as a former victim and has rented her the place to make her a new victim, which I did not understand at all. So, uh, so the, the way just, just just to elaborate a little bit on that, Liam. So he rents out this apartment to young women. He uses the the people who come in to want to rent it as a screening process to find people who are appropriate to sell into sexual slavery. Uh, though there's also a suggestion that this character, that Ethan Embry's character Tom, that he has someone higher up than him too that's telling him things. Though that doesn't get really uh, established in any significant way. So what he does is he rents. Two women at the apartment, and then after they're chosen, eventually they get moved across the road and turned into these sex slaves. And like you said, this woman, I guess, had been part of this exact same sort of thing before, and that's her kind of mystery background that we don't really get a sense of until it's revealed near the end. Now, the other big reveal is about – it has to do with Alex Rocco's older character, and Eric Roberts, who plays the police officer, he is the – nephew of alex rocco's character uh stepson stepson that's right so at the end we find out that eric roberts has been involved with everything he's been like keeping it quiet but apparently he's had moral issues and it's interesting that he's involved in human trafficking here when we know that of course in real life eric roberts does not like human trafficking um (laughs) but that's why he's that's why he's bringing attention to this very important issue right exactly so he ends up uh uh Calling in that uh, Ethan Embry's character has a gun so he can kill him death by cop. And then, for some reason, uh, I guess because she feels like she has to lay vengeance upon everybody, Amy then tries to kill Eric Roberts with a gun or goes to shoot him. And Eric Roberts' partner shoots her and so she's dead. And also she injects her boyfriend with a drug to keep him docile while she gets – she basically knows that she's going to her death. Because I guess maybe the trauma is just too much. It's a very depressing and also thoroughly uninteresting ending to this movie. But I want to go back over to you, Jaime. Uh, What did you think of the acting in this movie outside of the lead actress? Okay. All right, Jaime. Time to be nice. How to be nice. How to be nice. Uh, You know what? I'm actually going to go ahead and agree with you about uh, about Courtney Gaines. He, He was actually pretty good. Uh, he was definitely the most interesting thing about this movie. Uh, he, you know, it, it, he had, like I said, he had a really nice persona, nice guy, loving family. Uh, I, I, I laughed especially hard when Amy was introduced to his family. I'm not sure if, if you remember, but the looks on her face, like, oh, uh, like it basically <laughs> looked like oh, this fucking like the ugliest family I've ever seen or something. I thought that was funny, but anyways, uh, he was he was good. Um, Eric Roberts. Easily the best part about this movie, but besides those two people, um, I did like I said I felt bad too for uh, for Mr. Rocco. Like he, he did seem like genuinely confused, especially towards the end. Uh, I can't. Uh, and then Ethan Embry, I, I love Ethan Embry. Grew up with Ethan Embry. I 
even though he was only in it for maybe a combination of the five minutes, I did just question, like, did you owe someone a favor? <laughs> did, 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 or did someone blackmail you? Ethan, what are you doing here? And why are you acting like this? Because I know you're better. But uh, it, it, it's one of those movies where I, because I, it's a, it's a, not all, it's, I mean, it's an all, all around cast supporting character of, uh, you know, ensemble. There you go. That's what I'm supporting. Kind of an ensemble thing, but Amy, or the actress that played Amy, she was so terrible that her 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 cloud of terribleness just clouded everyone else, in my opinion, to where I couldn't even really focus on the cop. Like, oh, I've been I've been uh, investigating this ring for years. I've been trying to get close. Uh, we we can't. Oh, and we can't be seen together again. And what? Like two fucking scenes later, they're in the market again talking. I'm like, didn't you just say you could? Uh-huh. I'm getting I'm getting ahead of myself. But she was so bad that it made everything else just stink. Like or worse, like she like Courtney Gaines would have been awesome. Like his performance would have stood out more. I just, uh, I know we're going to talk about Amy a little bit. I just, uh, it's, it's, <laughs> I, I've, been, I've been reduced to sound effects or grunts uh, overall. Like just like, oh, what do you think? Uh, yeah. That's that's yeah. Honestly, ugh and uh is probably the proper response to this movie. Um, it, it's hard to get excited about it because even with the cast, a, a very fine ensemble cast in some ways. And again, I don't want to criticize the lead actress too much. I think her performance here is bad. I don't know if it's because of how the character was written. Uh, Jessica Sonneborn, who plays Amy, has done tons and tons of work. Um, and maybe she's better in other stuff. I don't recall seeing her in other things. But uh, here, she really does drag the movie down because her character... Partly because she has a mysterious past, so we're never giving given any insight into her as a personality. But like, if you compare this to the movies, it's most clearly trying to ape. Rare Window and Blue Velvet. Those are two obvious influences on this movie. You see them mentioned in almost every review for it. Those movies are very careful to give us a protagonist who is interesting. Someone that you have some sort of emotional connection to, uh, or antagonists even. uh, Sorry, protagonists even. Uh, And so when things happen to them, when the mystery starts to unroll and then reveal itself that you're, you're curious as well. It's like, where is this going? What, what is going to happen to them in the grand scheme of things? There's no connection here with Amy's character. There's just, there's no interest. There's a part where she falls down and hurts her ankle. And that is her emotional uh, height of the entire movie where she goes, ow. And then as you mentioned uh, that she, she then has to very well, she has to uh, walk around on crutches. But all I could think when she hurt her ankle and started walking around on crutches was that this is already moving slowly, and now it's going to move <laughs> even more slowly. <laughs> was it just me, or did her grunt or like her facial facial expressions get worse after she got the crutches? Yeah, maybe just, so. Like, oh, oh, okay. I, I, no, no. I do want to mention briefly that the director and writer Arthur Lund, he according to his IMDb page, was uh, born completely deaf. Now, I don't know if he's still completely deaf. And again, I don't want to use that as a criticism against him in this movie. Uh, I will say that there are some musical choices in this movie, in this movie that are not particularly good. But that, that happens in a lot of these movies. Um, but uh, I, I do feel like there's no... It's such a drably filmed movie like there's so little visual interest on here and that goes beyond just the weird blue tinting that's over everything it just is a movie that makes you feel like going to sleep when watching it it just has no interest it has no nothing uh standing out to you it's it's so it's like a a mayonnaise sandwich (laughs) now speaking of mayonnaise sandwiches let's go over to you liam 
Uh, what uh, I I know I already had you guys uh, before we started uh, this segment. Tell me something that you really liked about this movie. Just tell me what did you least like about this movie? Least like about this movie? Yeah. What did you really? What really got under your skin? Ooh, uh, I think honestly, <clears throat> it was the interactions between her and the cop who is supposed to be on her side, right? Because they were written in a way where they were supposed to be very intriguing, and instead. Uh, they it felt like they were saying lines at each other that were unrelated. Right. Like it felt like someone had just written the sorts of things people would say in a scene like that. Then they mixed those up, like cut them out, mixed them up in a hat, and then just had them say them randomly. You know, um, it it just felt like a mind fuck. Like I I couldn't understand how you could watch that scene and say, no, yeah, that works. We can move forward from here. Like I I couldn't figure that out. So I think that was the most annoying for me. Although. Um, and we're about to get to this. It might be actually the way that Eric Roberts was utilized in the film. Okay. We'll see. <laughs> I'm glad that you brought up the disjointedness of those scenes because disjointed is absolutely what we're going to be talking about in regards to Eric Roberts. I do want to throw the same question over to you, Jaime. What was your least favorite thing? Let's say outside of the lead actress who you obviously despise in ways that I can't <laughs> possibly imagine. <laughs> um, it kind of it kind of relates to, to Liam's. Uh, least likable thing is uh, it's the writing. I mean, yeah. and it took me a while to figure that out too. Because I mean, I can be I can be the bastard and just go hardcore on the the way it was filmed and the audio, the, or be just the technical aspects. But the way it was, I mean, the writing itself is just awful. And it, it, it's like it he like the it basically the screenplay was consisted of of characters that didn't know how to talk to each other. They, they like how, like how do human beings talk to each other in situations like this? Well, let's take that aspect and then flip it to make it shitty. It just and then it was it was it was not convincing. It was just awful. I mean, and, and by the time we finally find out what's going on, it's done in such a way where I don't give a shit. You just drag me through this whole hour and twenty minute thing, and then finally, bam! I'm like, no, 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 no. I just the writing was awful. It was the worst part about it, hands down. It's a movie that only exists for its ending. So if that ending doesn't hit, everything before it seems like a total waste. And that's what I felt at the end of The House Across the Street. But Eric Roberts is in this movie. <laughs> Eric Roberts, the star of The House Across the Street. Again, he plays a sort of corrupt cop. And uh, he is involved in the ending of the movie. There's a point where we think he's actually killed. But apparently he just gets <laughs> shot through the neck or something like that. And he's perfectly okay. The scenes with Eric Roberts in this movie are very strange because it appears that they were shot separately from the actress. So you almost never see him and the lead actress uh, working together in any way. You never see them in the same shot. They'll show, uh, they'll use doubles. There's an obvious double of Eric Roberts at one point. And they try to make it look like these two people are interacting. Again, maybe that's one of the reasons for the tinting on it as well to make all that match up together. But it makes for very disjointed dialogue scenes, which it makes it super clear that they're not interacting. Is this something that you noticed, Jaime, while you were watching it? And did it have any uh, influence on your feelings on the film? At first, I didn't. I didn't notice. Actually, didn't notice that. Like as far as like them never being in the same scene again, I didn't catch on to that until about an hour in. It was, I think, the second interaction. That the two of them had, where she got out of like she got out of the car with her crutches, and they exchange. Well, he has sunglasses, but she like doesn't even say a word to him. Like just looks at him. Doesn't even like she waits to get close to to talk to him, and finally they start talking. And side note, 
it would not surprise me if Eric Roberts was actually legit drunk during that oh, scene. Like, oh why did you let me inside? I'm like, I, I, I laughed. I was like, oh, I think he's having a good time, actually. Accusations but, here on Eric Roberts as <laughs> the fucking man. I'd be drunk, too, if I was in this movie. Jesus. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, that's when I it really hit me like, they're not even in the same goddamn scene together, are they? Not out of the shit. But um, it was just so awkward. It was, I mean, he's, to me, he's doing the best he can with what he has. Uh, but it's, you know, with something, with a scene, and it's, it's he, if I'm not mistaken, too, guys, please correct me on this, but I think the only time that he's ever, like, and whenever he's in this movie, he's just on the street in front of the house or one of the houses. That's yeah, or, or looking in through the window of her house at one point. Yeah, exactly. That, that's all. Like, he basically was just there for one location. And it just, it did, uh, as far as Eric Roberts, like I said, he's doing the best he can. But it's obvious that there, it became obvious finally that they were just not there. We should change the name of this podcast to Eric Roberts is doing the best he can. <laughs> <laughs> Liam, tell tell me your thoughts on how Eric Roberts is utilized in this movie. It's bad. It's uh-huh. really bad. It's, yep. And it's not just because I, I mean we're focusing on this disjointed thing because it feels like he they just filmed some scenes with him and then they just like worked around it. You know, like <laughs> we've got these Eric Roberts scenes, so let's just try to film around what we got with Eric Roberts. Um or it could it could have gone the other way. They could have filmed everything else and then filmed the Eric Roberts stuff. But right. regardless, it's definitely not the same. But even then what he's saying, it doesn't make sense sometimes. Mm-hmm. It feels very throwaway like I know why you had to do that and we had it coming. And I'm like he just delivered that line the way I would say you know what? I think I do want some pizza, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, there's no weight to his performance at all. I mean, I, I want to agree that he's doing the best he can and say that it's all the script's fault. But I don't know. I also got the feeling that he – there's nothing – I don't get a level of excitement I get from him, like, with, oh, I don't know, uh, stalked by my doctor. You know? <laughs> like, clearly he's, like, into that. This is just – the the writing is bad. All of the – camera work is bad and then eric roberts is just sort of like saying lines you know they're there he manages to get together a little bit of menace like i'm kind of mad at you but that's right. about it it seems like the most emotion is just the end of the film when he when he you know asks the question to her but even then it's like so stupid that i don't care that like he's emoting a little bit because i'm just like fuck this movie then I'm going to stick with you for a second here, Liam. Are you telling me that you don't think that Eric Roberts is the fucking man in this movie? Um, you know, it hurts me to say that because um, <gasps> he's he's trying to do what he's got to do, and I get that. But ugh, this is one of – when it comes to his actual participation, this is not my least favorite of the ones we've watched, but it is pretty low. All right. Well, controversial opinion here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Over over to you, Jaime. What did you think? Is he the fucking man, Eric Roberts, in this movie? Uh, at first, okay. At first, as soon as the movie was over, all I could think was he's easily the best part about this movie. Thinking more about it now, uh, is he okay? Is he the man? Is he the man in this movie? You don't got to listen to Liam. Believe me, you don't got to go along with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I do listen to Liam. I have to edit his stuff. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But um, but as far as you know, what I'm, I, I, because I could, I'm thinking to myself, do I go 
maybe not superficial on the right word, but do I go with the fact that he's still rocking excellent hair and rocking those shades and and he and some of the lines that he legit does give with like like with menace, like Liam said, and especially the line towards when the beginning he's like, If I need you, I know where to find you, like stuff like that. Like I thought he you know, he did. He pulled that off. Is he the man in this though? You know what? I'm gonna go with a no, but this is why. The screenplay does not allow him to be the man. He is, like I said, he's doing the best he can, but that goddamn screenplay weighs everything down, and it doesn't let him become the man. So no, he's not the man on this. Oh my goodness, two not the mans. Well, you know what? Fuck both of you guys. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? I think think that uh, I actually did like the kind of restrained menace that that character brings to this movie. I also like when Eric Roberts plays a cop because I think he plays very sleazy cops in a very natural way. Uh, And I also think that uh, in a movie full of bad performances um, that you at some point have to bring that on the director. And when you get good performances from that, I think that's the mark of a skilled actor. So uh, since we do get quality performances from Courtney Gaines and I say... Eric Roberts is fine as well. I'm going to say he's the fucking man. That's one against two, suckers. Eric Roberts is the fucking man because I have the deciding vote. Veto power, of course, (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) So with all of that said, let's take our final break. And when we return, I'm going to talk to Jaime and we're going to say goodnight. That's episode number 37 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to thank our guest, Jaime Burkhart, so much for coming in and talking to us. Jaime, I know this was your first appearance. Is this your first podcast appearance ever? This is my uh, my third podcast appearance ever, I think. Wait, and this on, is, back that. Yeah, third appearance, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't want you to rank your experiences, but please say what your favorite of those three were. You know what, Doug? I'm going to go ahead and make your day and say that this was not my favorite. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Motherfucker. No, um, <laughs> no, this is, I had a blast doing this. Um, this is actually, no, this is the first podcast where I actually, uh, as part, as part of being on a podcast, you know, uh, had to watch the films. So this was fun. This was a lot to, to, this was a lot to, to take in as far as like the enjoyment and something I kind of know, know, know about myself is as far as like good movies, I'll talk about good movies all day, but if there's a bad movie, like a really bad movie, I will go ape shit on that if I am allowed <laughs> to. So I, mean, I I restrain myself here, but I, I appreciate the fact that I got to to watch a bad movie and actually talk to someone or talk to people about how bad it is. Because if I go if I go to work or or go to my wife and be like, oh, this movie's terrible, well, well, it sounds like I'll explain it and they'll, oh, it sounds good. No. It's not. It's really <laughs> fucking not. But um, no, I this was a blast, and I, I thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you know, I'm like I'm I'm used to being behind the scenes. I'm used to editing the podcast. You know, making them sound good, doing the best I can there. 
it's really appreciative that I got asked to do this. So I thank you for that, Doug. Oh, believe me, it was our pleasure. I was so glad that you could join us for our spooky Halloween episode featuring two horror classics featuring Eric Roberts on this show. Jaime, if people want to find your work on the internet or follow you and see what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do so? Uh, Twitter, absolutely. Um, it's uh, at my first and last name, Jaime Burkhardt. I'll even, because I know it's kind of a tricky spelling, J-A-I-M-E-B-U-R-C-H-A-R-D-T, saying it at the end. But uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Um, and right now it's October 20th, I'm mistaken, 23rd, uh, almost done with the horror fest here for this, for, uh, for this year. Uh, something that I, I will go ahead and get into later on, on, on social media is that next year's horror fest is going to be something completely brand new. I won't go into details about how brand new it is, but I'm excited. This one's kind of the last of its kind. Watch some great horror movies there, but yeah, if you want to talk horror movies, uh, talk, uh, and I think it's on my, my profile, talk horror movies talk about my two favorite bands in the world, Deftones and Ace of Base. You can find me on Twitter. We can talk, <laughs> talk about that there. And we'll, of course, link that in the show notes as well. Now, I was told before we started recording that you and Liam, you're doing some sort of work together. Can you elaborate a little on that? Yes. Um, I started uh, working with Liam recently uh, for Cinepunks, and uh, I, I've been I've edited a couple of their uh, the podcasts uh, so far. Uh, one for uh, Liam Horror Business, right? I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And and let's be clear with everyone. Um, uh, Jaime is much better at this than I am. So if if you listen to an episode and you're like, "Wow, this episode of Hard Business was actually pretty good," guess who probably edited it? I'll <laughs> give you a clue. Not me. <laughs> I I do I appreciate that. Um, it's and what's funny is uh, if you don't mind me saying, I just started to uh kind of kind of gain self-confidence again in my in my editing skills and so uh doing podcast work for liam definitely has helped me really helped me see that you know i can do this this is awesome and also gotta you guys have not listened to horror business uh their podcast you gotta listen to it it was it's awesome to work on awesome to listen to um yeah but i I, i've been doing work for cinepunks i hope to do more i'm having a blast good stuff liam what are you up to, including that Cinepunks business we just went into? Yo, I, you know what's great about that? It's like I just got a double plug because Jaime plugged me and now I get to <laughs> plug myself. It's so good. Um, <laughs> Cinepunks is, is, is going well. We're doing uh, all October. We've been doing what we have unimaginably called Cineween. Uh, basically, we wanted to try to post something every day. Well, every weekday because – no one actually reads things on the weekends anyway. But post something uh, every weekday. I guess we've posted something every day, actually, because uh, John Foster from South Philly Comics has been doing this month of pre-code horror comic covers where he posts a different uh, cover of a uh, pre-code horror comic uh, featuring the artist and talking about the history of it and all that stuff like that. It's been pretty cool. So we've done at least one of those every day, and then we've posted something else every weekday that was just and you know because it's a film website and i say halloween people are thinking just horror movies but we've tried to expand into other stuff related to halloween as well or at least that was the invite i was really hoping somebody would write something interesting like about the misfits or you know other sort of like music related stuff uh maybe something like soundtrack related we haven't had as much as that but maybe we you could try writing something like that liam yeah, the I try not to actually write because I hate it. No, no, I, 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 
in that particular case, I don't have a lot of knowledge of soundtracks, though I do enjoy them. Um, and you know, my opinion of the Misfits is like it's fine. You know, how about, but how about this, Liam? I believe in Halloween. That's definitely not actually the lyrics. <laughs> but that's fine. <laughs> but, <laughs> I would like it if you ended this episode, though, with like just you singing it. You you should record your own version of Halloween and put it on the end of this episode. But, Mommy! It, <laughs> <laughs> the, only, the only Misfit song I really, truly enjoy is um, Skulls. Where, where Eagles Dare. Oh, okay, yeah. You ever heard I the uh, goddamn son of a bitch? You ever heard the Adam and his about a baby? You ever heard the Adam and his package cover of Where Eagles There? Uh, no. It's I've really heard, good, actually. I've heard many Adam covers, but never that one. Well, check it out. That's that's the takeaway from this episode. I, I will. I, I will actually say the AFI cover of Halloween is superior to the original Halloween, Ooh, which is weird. I'm not a big AFI fan, but I will say that AFI has like three or four covers that I think are actually better than anything they wrote and possibly better than the originals. I feel the same way about the Deftones. Oh, you don't like the Deftones? No, I actually have no opinion at all. I was just trying to bother, <laughs> bother our guest. <laughs> Anyways, uh, so if you're trying to check out my jam, go to cinepunks.com. Uh, you can also check me out uh, at Liam Rules, L-I-A-M-R-U-L-Z, on Twitter. Uh, yeah, that's basically everything I'm plugging right now. Yes, indeed. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter as well, at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. Uh, you can find this show over at ericrobertsistheman.com, as well as on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. You can also do a search on Facebook for our Facebook group, and uh, you can always recommend Eric Roberts movies for us to cover. Or if you want to be a guest on the show, feel free to contact either Liam or myself, but really myself. That's the one that you want to contact yeah, in regards to that. <laughs> you can also check out my other podcast, No Budget Nightmares, which is over at nobudgetpodcast.com. Uh, and uh, I do that with um, Mo Porn, uh, at Drunk on VHS on Twitter, and we talk about micro-budget, ultra-low-budget movies and movie making. Uh, if you want to go over to dorkshelf.com, you can find some of my writing there, as well as the videos I've been editing as the retrospective of Empire International Pictures. I recently did a video on the anthology movie. Hey, another anthology movie. The Dungeon Master, a.k.a. Rage War. Uh, and you can check out that video either on YouTube or over at Dorkshelf. And I'll be doing those on a regular basis in the near future as well. But with that said, we need to close up the Eric Roberts coffin for another two weeks. We'll be back in just a little bit with two more Eric Roberts classics. Until then, everyone say good night. Good night. Good night, everyone. Good night, everybody. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, 